Welcome, church, to the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Sister Mary, for that delightful hymn. I hope you're ready to receive from the Lord this morning, church. We have the distinct privilege to welcome to the pulpit this morning. Uh, um, uh, what's that dude's name? You are now tuned in to the Sermon Archives of William R. Horn. Kingdom Dreamer Productions. Welcome in to the first episode of the Sermon Archives of yours truly, William R. Horn. Uh, just wanted to make a collection. I was sitting last night looking at my hard drive and thought I have all these things that I've worked hard on over the years that I've created for good, for bad, but they're sitting here not getting used. So I decided I was going to put the contents to use as any good content creator knows you use your content to its fullest squeeze the most fruit out of it so what i wanted to do was create a space here to just put all my sermons all the talks i've done out on the airwaves and continue to put them as they come so i'm gonna give you this first one what we're gonna do is we'll continue to release them by date and then they'll eventually catch up to what i'm doing today so um, I was looking back on my hard drives. The first one I find audio of was from 2012. I know I preached before 2012, but clearly it's not recorded or I lost it. So I feel like my best sermons are lost. I'm going to just keep telling myself that. But uh, So first sermon you're going to hear here on episode one of the Sermon Archives is from May 20th, 2012. This sermon, I would have been 20 years old, youth pastor at... My church in Springfield, Ohio, and yes, it is called My Church, look it up, in Springfield, Ohio. Um, the title of it was The Future of the Church. Now, I went back and listened to it. I would like to give a disclaimer to all sermons I do that come up on the past is I claim the right to change my mind about something I've said in the past. Um, allow me to grow even as I put content out that I might not agree with what I said earlier on. So uh, for instance, in this sermon, uh, I give a quote from John Piper. Now the quote's not bad, but I say something like my favorite theologian. And since that time, it might be the opposite after further reading and seeing more things come out from Piper. Not that he's not a good man, but we disagree uh, furiously on some things. So allow a brother to grow, but here it is, uh, coming to you right now, a sermon from May 20th, 2012, when I was youth pastor in Springfield, Ohio, called The Future of the Church. You can see our youth have a lot of talent, and we wanted to show that off to you today, so we packed a lot in there, a little time, so... All right. 
I know they all worked hard on all those dances. I know Manny especially. We, I sat in here for hours with him trying to work on that. So a lot of talent. All right, amen. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Will. I'm the youth pastor here, um, and it's a privilege to be able to speak to you guys today. So um, as soon as these kids got here, I'd just like to pray for our time. So if you join me in prayer real quick, uh, let's lift this up. Uh, dear God, I thank you for this opportunity, and I pray that you would just speak to us in this service, God. Open our hearts, allow us to hear you, God, and I thank you so much for the youth that you've given us and the talent that we're able to show off and worship you with, God. Speak today. Holy Spirit, guide us, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So think about you guys' life a year from now. A lot happens in one year, right? Just thinking to my life, if, if all goes as planned in one year, I'll graduate college, maybe get married, and start a whole new chapter in my life. Who knows what time brings? And who knows the details of those plans, what other things time will bring, the trials that I'll face as time goes on, and who knows how I'll even get to a year from now. I like to quote uh, the once great fighter Mike Tyson, who said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and that's how life is, right? You have a plan. You think it's going to happen, it never happens how you thought it was, right? Think a year from now, it's not going to turn out how you thought it was. Some good, some bad. Things will happen. Now think of your life 10 years from now. It's even crazier, right? 10 years, that's half of my life, so I, that's impossible for me to think that far. But the fact is that we are unsure of our future. We know there is a future, but we don't know what it has. We are finite humans who cannot see ahead of us, and that's the facts of life. I wish it was easier, but it's not. And we also know that as Christians, we not only know there's a future, but we can have hope in it because of what God has laid up for us. So hope. Let's stop and talk about that for a little bit. Hope is used a lot. A lot of people say hope. But nobody ever talks about what it really means. So what is hope? When you look up hope in the dictionary, the definition it gives you is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. Basically, you're saying, I want something to happen, so I'm hoping for it. Well, the hope that I have and that Christians should have is not a verb, but it's found in a noun. And that noun is Jesus Christ. So unlike the definition where it says it's a feeling of expectation, when you have Jesus, it's not a feeling, but it's a knowing, right? When you hope, you know. We have that security as Christians. So we can hope in the God that will not let us down, the God a living hope that resurrected from the dead. That's a big deal. We can't let that go to waste. A lot of people say your, your hope is only as strong as what you're hoping in. So my first question for you today is, what are you hoping in? And I pray that we're hoping in Jesus, because nothing else would do. As we continue to think about this word hope, we can also come to the conclusion that you cannot hope in what you can already see. Let me say that again. You cannot hope 
and what you can already see. You can just look to Paul's writings of Romans 8. Romans 8, 24 reads, For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. So we cannot see our future. Therefore, we must either have hope for it or completely ignore it. And as I stated earlier, we cannot have proper hope for the future without having Jesus Christ in that mix. We know that his grace is sufficient for us now, the past, and the future. We know that he has a plan for us and his will will ultimately be done. But with hope of the future also comes responsibility of action. Think about it for a second. Our present actions and decisions will dictate our uncertain future. I'm not talking about, you know, karma or any of that jazz. I'm talking about what you do has a consequence. And we're going to have to face those in the future, whether that be here on earth or afterwards. But what we do now will dictate our uncertain future. There's no way around that. And for believers, this responsibility goes beyond just an individual responsibility, but a congregational responsibility. I'm talking about all of us as a body. We are part of the local church, and as a Christian, your responsibility is not your own, but it's everybody's. And the local church's responsibility, to take a step further, is to shape the future of the community that it's placed in. Right? We're here in this community for a reason. We're here to shape its future by bringing it the truth of the gospel and the hope and justice of the kingdom of God. And to take that one more step further, the future of the local church is the youth of the community. So we need to be paying attention to the youth right now. We cannot ignore that. So as you can see, God is calling us to a much greater responsibility than we thought. As a body of Christ, we have some important decisions and actions to make. Because the actions we make as a church not only change the future of what's inside these four walls, but they change the community that we're here to shape and the youth that we're supposed to raise up. We cannot afford to flop on these decisions. Look to me uh, to 1 Peter chapter 1, if you do have your Bibles with you. Um, and I'm going to start in verse 12. While you're flipping there, I'll just give you a little context of this book. Um, Peter is the author of this book, and he's writing specifically to Jewish Christians during his time that are scattered throughout Asia Minor. So this is way back, like A.D. 62. So none of us are that old, I hope. And more generally, he's writing this book to believers in general. That's why it can apply very well to us today. Um, it's a book of encouragement and hope that all Christians need to take some time and dig into. In the context right before this verse we're going to read, um, Peter's talking about our salvation that comes from us hearing and accepting the grace that Jesus brought, that the prophets were speaking of. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 12 of chapter 1. And it reads... It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, and these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. 
Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As a church body, we need to be prepared for action, disciplined, and have a hope in Jesus Christ. This includes the whole body, not just some, the pastor or leadership team or some certain group of people. This includes everybody. And a lot of times we have the song that many dance to talk about misconceptions. We have misconceptions about who's really the church. If you've accepted Christ's salvation, you are part of the church and you are responsible. So we all need to be prepared for action, disciplined, and focused on a hope in Christ. So most of us know that my church has been around for about three years now, something like that, and people are starting to get comfortable with it, right? People in the neighborhood, they know who we are, right? We're out about all the time. They know where that church is when you ask them. And the, the regular Sunday attendants all have their about same seating arrangement, right? You've got the same little row you sit in. And we're starting to get comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with, with comfort at a certain level, right? On the surface, that's cool. It's fine to have your own little seating area. And it's good that people know us. But unfortunately, with a certain level of comfort comes a certain level of apathy. Let me say that again. A certain level of comfort comes with a certain level of apathy. So when we look at some of the goals of this church, we have to ask ourselves, are we really reaching them as a church body? For example, we claim to be a multicultural church. Um, but are we really pursuing that goal, or are we just hoping it somehow turns out that way? Do we reflect the diversity of the body of Christ in race, culture, thought, or are we just all starting to look the same? We know salvation in the church is for all people, amen? Everybody can have salvation. God came for all, and the church is here to heal all of us who are broken. But sadly, with time, we all start to look the same, because that's the easy way to do it, right? We all start to look the same, dress the same, have the same thought, and there's no diversity in our body. We have to pursue diversity to truly reflect Christ in all of him. Yes, God says, come as you are, but do we truly say that? Do we as individuals and as a congregation truly say that, or do we have a look or a dress in our mind of what we want in our church? God says, come as you are unto me. So we cannot afford to get comfortable with the status quo and continue to let things happen. We have control over that. We must make decisions. When a body of Christ looks all the same, they just have this odd sameness. It's not a, a Christ-like unity that can only be found in the diversity that God created. So having this unity um, in Christ, we need to have diversity, which means we must be proactive in reflecting that diversity in our worship our preaching, our congregation, and all the things we do. And that's why it's essential that we pursue that. Because once again, our present actions dictate our uncertain future. Well, let's think about us being a, a church that's out in the community, loving and shaping it. We've done a lot of great things in this community, and we continue to. I mean, just yesterday, we were out on Adopt-A-Block, ran Max of Kindness, 
preaching truth and loving people. Yeah, we're doing that. But are we starting to get comfortable with the way the community looks? I mean, you can, you can handle stuff all day. That doesn't change how a community looks. And one person can't do it. It's a body that can do that. So are we getting comfortable with where this community is at? Or are we going hard, loving this community, and turning it into God's block and not the world's block? That's some questions we need to ask ourselves about our goals. Uh, thinking back to one of my favorite theologians and pastors by the name of John Piper, um, he wrote, to be a Christian is to move towards need, not comfort. To be a Christian is to move towards need and not comfort. So I pray that we continue to move towards need and not our own comforts. Because as time goes on, it's easy to get comfortable. And we can't. We can't afford to. Because our present actions will dictate our uncertain future. Let's talk about the youth. That's my job, so we can talk about them. The youth of our community. Are we as a church pushing them to another level of faith? Or even giving them a chance to have faith? Or is it just this other group we push off to the youth room and ignore them? Right? Do we see the youth as the future of our church? Or just a bunch of hooligans we don't want to deal with? Are we truly coming alongside the youth, mentoring, loving, befriending them, and bringing them up to another level? Or are we just making that a secondary cause to ourselves? If the youth cannot rely on the church, who can they rely on? I think God's calling us to a higher level on how we relate to the youth. Our present actions will dictate our uncertain future. Are we afraid of these changes that have to come with our decisions? Youth, are you afraid of failure? Afraid of turning? Are we afraid to give it all up for God as individuals and come together as a body realizing it's not about us? It's about God and loving each other. Because see, the reality is there is a future and we can't ignore it. We must embrace it. So take courage. We do not have to be afraid of the uncertain. Because remember, God gave us a spirit of power, not one of fear. You can look to Romans 8.15 for that, where it reads, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons where we cry out, Abba, Father. We've been adopted. We are a whole new kingdom. And we need to live like that and not live scared of this world and the future. Our present actions will dictate our uncertain future. And since I've said that enough, if you think about if our actions are dictating our future, how in the world do we know what actions to take for our future? I mean, you can take a lot of actions. That can do no good. It's what actions are you taking? A way Sim would like to put it is, do we feel the pulse of God? Right? Are we listening to that pulse? Do we think of this Christian walk as a ticket into heaven or a hard chase of trying to know God? Do we think of godliness as the avoidance of doing bad and just going to church or the aggressive pursuit of doing good? If we do not have a hunger 
and a thirst for God and seek to understand his will, how will we ever be able to take the proper actions that will determine our uncertain future? When we think about this, number one, we need to ask ourselves, do we follow God's will that he's already given to us in his scriptures? He's already given us this word, and in this word it has his moral will, meaning his plan, his standards for his creation. And, I mean, he created us, right? So he should know how we should have to live. Yet we still think we know what's best for us, right? And also in this word, you can see his, some of his sovereign will, meaning his plan for us, how he sent his son to die so we could have salvation. He fulfilled the law and brought in a new kingdom. And then he will come again and finish the work he started. That's all right here. We know that. We don't have to beg for that. You got Bible sitting all around here. That's right here for us to follow, these instructions. But so often we don't. A professor of mine by the name of T.C. Ham posed a great question concerning God's will. He asked, if we do not follow God's moral will already revealed in his Bible, why would God give us further instructions for us to ignore? So if we expect to understand the actions that we're going to take, we need to first follow the instructions he's already given us. That means everybody, once again, not just the pastor, not just the leaders, but the whole body of Christ has a responsibility to get into this word and follow its instructions. That doesn't mean we'll be perfect. None of us are perfect or ever will. But we need to be striving to understand this word and follow it. Understanding this word is not for just the scholars. This is for everybody. This is why God gave us this word, why he inspired people to put it together. We need to follow the instructions already given to us. And if we cannot, we cannot have communion with God or feel his pulse if we're not in this word. It doesn't make sense, right? Prayer and his word are our main ways of communicating with God. And if we choose to ignore all that, we're never going to know what we're supposed to do with our lives. We'll continue serving ourselves following our hearts, which is deceitful. We cannot do that. Let's look to the last passage I'm going to deal with that Dion so lovely read, Psalms 42, if you want to turn there. Uh, this psalm, it was written by the sons of Korah, and nobody's really heard of them. Uh, the son, there was a guy named Korah back in number 16 who was a Levite, and he, read, he led a rebellion against Moses. So he wasn't that good a guy then, but his descendants chose to be faithful to God, and they ended up serving in the temple under David um, as musicians, and they wrote this psalm. So we don't have time to necessarily go over all the details of the psalm because it's a little lengthy, but if we, we need to understand this message um, because it, did, it can help us with the future of this church, our community, and the youth. So I'm going to start in Psalms 42, verse 1. Uh, follow along with me. It says, As a deer longs for the water brooks, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Listen to the power in that. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. If we're truly Christians, you can catch us at the brook where he says the, the deers pant for this water brook, just like my soul 
longs for you, O oh God. We need to be seeking to know God. As a church body, can we truly cry that cry, my soul thirsts for you, O oh God. That's all I want, to serve you, to honor you, to love you, to do what you've commanded, not do what I want, not just avoid bad and sit in church, but pursue good. Change the future of the church, change the future of the community by the actions we take. This psalmist, right, his soul thirsts for God. So do we, do we truly believe this gospel? Think about that. Do we truly believe this gospel? Because a lot of us say we believe this gospel. But if we believe this gospel, there's a lot of actions we're not taking. There's a lot of power in this message that our soul will thirst for God, that our whole walk is to know God, and that can give us peace and joy and understanding. Not saying there's not going to be hard times. This walk is hard. But it's satisfying. You will not be satisfied in anything else. Do we hunger and thirst to know the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, our God? Or is that a secondary cause to us? Is that what I do when I have free time? Is that what I do on Sunday morning? Or is that every day, day in, day out, I want to know God? Do we long to be in his word? Do we have cravings to talk to him? Or is that just something we have to force ourselves to do? I mean, if we get a chance to talk to the God of the universe, wouldn't you take that opportunity? Not say, oh, I, you know, I prayed over my meal. It's good. Like, we can talk to God. Do we hear that? We can talk to God. We can know what he says back to us. We can listen to him. Mm. We will never be able to take proper action in the present or have proper hope in the future if we are not hungering and thirsting to know God every single day. And once again, that's not just an individual thing. That's a body thing, right? The church is not a place to be on Sundays. It's a body of believers, a body of soldiers that are brought here to fight together. So we're part of a different kingdom. We're a citizen of a new world. And we need to fight together with that, not walk alone. We can't. We can't afford to walk alone. If we truly have this longing to know God and truly believe this gospel, we will not only be able to take the proper actions and have the proper hope, but we'll be able to make it through the hard times that come along the way. We can continue looking at this psalm. I'm kind of going to skip around in it a little bit. But you can look at it. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. People are asking me, where is your God? You ever have somebody ask you that? Where is your God? Why are you in despair, O oh my soul? But see, I hunger and I thirst for you, so I will hope in God. I will praise him yet again, despite these hard times. There is despair in my soul, but I will lift a prayer to the God, the God of my life. The God of my life. Although it feels like I've been forgotten, I will hope in God, who is my help, who is my salvation, who is my rock, the God of my life. So is God the God of your life today? Do we as a church body hunger and thirst for God? 
Youth, do you long to know the king of kings? Elderly, do you have a zeal for God and his people? Leaders, do we hope in God? See, church, because we need to be a body that is chasing hard after God day in and day out. Not just a bunch of people that sit in some chairs on Sunday. Our present actions will dictate our uncertain future. We can have hope that God is the God of our future, but there's a lot in our hands right now. The future of the church, the future of the community, and the future of the youth. All lies in our hands today. And we have a lot of decisions to make, a lot of actions to take, but we cannot sit by and ignore it. Will we be prepared for action? Will we be disciplined and of sober spirit? Will we have hope in God? Do we thirst for God? All those decisions, those are ours to make. Ours as individuals and ours as a body of Christ. Uh, Ricky, you can come on up if you want. But as a church from the youth to the elders, what actions will we take to ensure that our future glorifies God? Because we can go a long time down the road and look back and see a lot of bad decisions we make, and we're not where we want to be. As a church body, we want to be shaping the community, shaping the youth, shaping this world, even from a little place on the south side of Springfield. And I pray that we do that. So if you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ, you need to do that. That's the most important thing you can do in your life. You accept Christ, you become part of this church. You don't walk alone anymore. You walk with God and other believers, and we can fight together. So you need to become part of this church, and if you're part of this church, we need to get on it. We cannot ignore the reality of an unsure future. Because remember, our present actions will dictate our uncertain future. Amen. listening to another episode of the sermon archives from william r horn make sure you subscribe rate review and check us out on youtube follow your boy on twitter at william r horn h-o-r-n-e and check us out at kingdomdreamer.com